the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. I have a special guest today, a longtime uh, friend, if I can call you that, Luena, Luena Stoltenberg from the Quad Cities area back in Illinois and Iowa. Luena, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. It's good to be here. It's good to talk with you. I usually don't do phone interviews. I usually have people in studio, but the other day I was uh, on Facebook and um, I saw a mention of a book that you wrote a couple years ago called Singing in the Wilderness. And I thought, you know what? Our listeners here in Seattle need to hear your story. And uh, so here you are. So we're we're chatting long distance, uh, talking to you back in the Quad Cities area. So, awesome, yep, and I'm glad you saw it. <laughs> I am too. And uh, you and I first met in 1989. We were had just transitioned uh, and were attending a small four-square church in Milan, Illinois, which is right outside the Quad Cities, and you and your husband Steve were attending there as well, Pastors Rick and Beth McReynolds, and uh, uh, we had a chance, to, uh, an opportunity to uh, to get to know you and to begin to see the Lord working in your life. And so, as I mentioned uh, before we started recording today, we love to hear the backstory of how uh, how you came to Christ and and. Uh, what the Lord has done in your life. So let's just start at the beginning, back in the Midwest, a few years ago, and uh, just share with our listeners. Okay, it's quite a few years ago, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, I was a teenager being raised in um, a home where we knew about Jesus, but we didn't know him personally. So um, didn't have a lot to do. Went to church on Sundays, but um, the home was a little bit dysfunctional, a lot of alcoholism. Um, my dad and mom fought a lot. And so I kind of was, I was like in the middle of six kids. So just trying to find my way, trying to find, you know, my value, my worth, and really wasn't feeling like I had a lot of value and worth. And so um, I just kept, when I became a teenager, started looking for love in all the wrong places. And um, that led to pregnancy when I was 15 years old. And um, I married that man, that young man, and um, life was a little bit difficult. Neither one of us were old enough to be responsible or to um, be very mature in that marriage. And so that marriage ended a little over a year. And um, then I kind of was looking for my way again and still looking for love, not found 
you know, what true love was. And I got pregnant again. I was on birth control. And this time I was scared to death of what I should do. I didn't want to tell my parents that I was pregnant again. Um, I was afraid of what they were going to do the first time they threatened to send me away. And so I asked my boyfriend and a friend of mine, and my boyfriend didn't want anything to do with the pregnancy and told me that I really needed to get an abortion or he was going to leave me. So all those fears just came crashing in on me, and I went ahead and said, okay, I'll, I'll do this. So I made the appointment for the abortion, and the two of us drove, drove to the abortion facility about an hour and a half away. And when I got there, I was told that this was going to be easy, it was going to be quick, and that it was going to be safe. In fact, they told me that it would be safer than if I carried a term. So they were the medical professionals. They were the adults. I was a scared teenager. Listen to what they had to say. I went ahead and went through with that procedure that day and had that abortion. It was a very scary, scary time for me. I never had met the doctor before. I waited um, scared for that doctor to come in and do that procedure. And I was told that it would just be like cramping, a little bit of a um, little bit of pain. And it was horrendous. It was it was the most horrendous experience I've ever had. Unbearable pain and just the experience of a vacuum aspirator method of abortion and just the sounds, the sight, the the smells in the room, just listening to what was taking place. There was a jar at the right of my head that the remains went into and I remember looking over at them and just being horrified. You know, was this really just a clump of tissue like what they had said or was it my baby? And um, after that procedure was over with, they wheeled that jar out as quickly as they could so I couldn't see it and put me in a room with all the other girls that had had abortions that day and we were told if we felt okay in 40 minutes we could have some juice and cookies we could leave. Um, when we wanted to. And so I couldn't wait to get out of there. And um, on the drive home, I was bleeding profusely and in so much pain. So when we returned home, I called the facility and I was told that they were sorry I was no longer their problem. I would have to call my doctor. And that was the last thing I was going to do was call a doctor. I was too afraid and ashamed of what I had just done. So I laid there that night and wondered if I would just die Hmm. in a pool of blood. A part of me did die that night. I was never the same. I was filled with guilt and shame. I hated myself. Didn't feel like anybody could possibly love me after I did this. And so to numb all those feelings, I started doing drugs and started drinking. And I became very promiscuous. Um, boyfriend and I broke up because every time I looked at him, I I saw somebody that didn't protect me, and I and I went back to that abortion. And so um, because of that lifestyle of being being very promiscuous, I got pregnant two more times. Hmm. I was on birth control both those times, but chose abortion because I had no value. I had no worth, and it was this vicious cycle, very similar, very, very common with women that have had abortion because, you know, society is telling us that this is okay, but yet they don't teach us how to mourn for that child or how to grieve properly, how to name that child and deal with what we've just done. And so it's very common for that woman to try to replace what she's just lost, not even realizing she's she's experiencing a loss. So um, by the third abortion, I was so ashamed of what I was doing when I went into that facility, I didn't even give them my right name. I gave them my friend's name, and they never 
never even asked me for an ID. You know, I often wonder, Chuck, what would have happened if there would have been a complication if I would have bled to death that day? Who who would they have called? Hmm. They didn't have a number. No hmm. one. So um, well, my we... life just really spiraled out of control, and I was in a hopeless place. I um, think of the word where it says, you know, in, in Proverbs thirteen twelve, it says, Hope deferred makes our hearts sick. But a dream that's fulfilled, it's a tree of life. And I was absolutely, absolutely at that hopeless place. I had no dreams. Didn't feel like I even had a future. Even tried to kill myself a couple times. But God had a plan. And during all of that time, my parents had come to know the Lord um, as their Savior and as their Lord. And they started talking to me about Jesus. And so at first I didn't really listen because I felt like there's no way God could forgive me for what I had done. And I had never told my parents what I had done in the life that I was living. But there was one phone call in particular that my mom started talking to me about Jesus. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, you know, Lorena, you could do anything. You could have even killed somebody, and I would love you. There's nothing you could do that would cause me not to love you. And she said, how much more does God love you? And I thought, could it be that God really would love me through this and forgive me for this? And so I went home back to my parents' house that day, and I received the Lord as my as my Savior and as my Lord. And my life absolutely drastically turned around. It was transformed. Stopped drinking, stopped doing drugs. I got involved in a church, and it wasn't too much longer I met Steve, who is now my husband. And we dated for a couple of years, but got married. And life was just wonderful. In fact, that might have been around the time that I met you. We got married in 1985 and mm-hmm. started going to Milan Square. We were plugged in in leadership and trying to have children because we thought life was just going so well. Let's start a family. Yeah, but well, we you had were not able to. Yeah, well, you you had mentioned earlier in your book. Uh, before those abortions, that and you had mentioned that you had gotten married when you were 15 because you were pregnant, that you had as, actually lost that baby. Yes, it was a still the, so it was a stillborn. So you had had a a stillborn birth, and then after that, in the coming years, three abortions. What was in your spirit, uh, Luena? What how, what how did that affect your heart and your relationships with others? Um, I believe that stillborn birth left a hole in my heart, you know, because that was a missing child. And I think it even played more into the fact of unworthiness and rejection. You know, it, it was like it was one more piece of rejection. And so then... When I was that young and got a, got a divorce, it just added more rejection on top of it. Hmm. And so I think that's what sort of played into um, saying, yes, I will go through with abortions. Because I was, I was looking for love, and it seemed like every place I went, my parents, my friends, rejection just met me. You know, and when you're rejected that much, you don't feel worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't feel like you're worthy of anything. And so when someone tells you, do this, or I'm leaving, or do that, you tend to think, well, that's what I have to do. And so that, I mean, that's why I believe I made the decisions of the abortions, Mm -hmm. because I felt like I had no other choice. I felt like I was trapped. Yeah. So 1985, you receive the Lord, you meet Steve, you you begin 
the process of marriage. You'd been married a few years and start having, uh, uh, wanting to have children and starting considering that that uh, opportunity. What happens next? Well, we keep trying and, you know, just going through one more door, one more door. And um, what we find out is after I have a test, it was called the laparoscopy, they put dye through your tubes. And my doctor told me that my tubes were blocked, one of them 90%, the other one 100% blocked. And she told me that I would never have children, ever. I was infertile. And she said the reason being was because of the damage that the abortion procedure had caused to my tubes and my uterus. She showed me on the, um, back on the on the screen. In fact, years later, I would have to get a hysterectomy because of the damage that was caused by them. They took pictures, and they were just all wrapped up and and a mess because of that the suction from the procedure. So Steve and I were faced with that, you know, that reality that the only children that I ever would bear, I killed. Hmm. It's, it's quite a harsh reality when you think about it, even knowing the Lord. I mean, I can't, I don't understand how women can do it who don't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think that's why there's so many women that are angry and upset and maybe that march in their pink hats because they have to justify the decision that they made where, thank God, I knew the Lord and I had Him that I could run to with this, you know, running to Him for forgiveness and for love. It took me even to a deeper place of where I had been and that, you know, you first come to the Lord and you seek forgiveness and you ask, you know, you repent and you ask the Lord to forgive you, but this was even a deeper level. You know, Lord, what have I done? Yeah. Well, we're speaking with Luana Stoltenberg. She uh, is an author and uh, has a website. It's luanastoltenberg.com. It's L U A N A. S-T-O-L-T-E-N-B-E-R-G dot com. You're listening to Heart of the City, and I'm Chuck Olmsted. So, Loena, you're faced with that realization that you're not going to be able to get pregnant and, and bear children. And so you begin to investigate the opportunity of adoption. Yes, we did. Yeah, my husband and I looked um, into adoption, and... Uh, we ended up going through an agency that was out of St. Louis because some friends of ours had helped found it. So ultimately, we adopted a little boy from India. Um, unfortunately, when we started the process, um, Zachary is what we named him. He was born, but then the country of India closed down because of judges. And so it was closed for two years, so we had to wait two years for Zachary to come. So when he finally did arrive, he was just two days over two years old. So, hmm. so But it was still an amazing, amazing time yeah. to realize what, that God would love me enough and forgive me that he would still give me an opportunity to raise a child. Yeah. Later on in your book, you talk about what Zachary is doing now and the vision that the Lord has given to him. So during these times, the in, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, um, actually my wife and I had moved on out here to Seattle in 1990, so I frankly kind of lost track of of where you were, where you and Steve, uh, what you were doing, but there was some real ministry that was beginning to happen, and and you talk about it in your book that, you know, out of the the pain 
the Lord wants to bring redemption, and he wants to those 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 uh, hard places in your life, he's able to use you to begin to help others who are in those same places. And that began to happen to you, didn't it? Amen. Yes, it did. Yeah. God is amazing. You know, I, I think a lot of it, Chuck, started from my own time with the Lord and just uh, because it was it was devastating to find out, you know, what I had done and what it had caused. You know, and it wasn't just what it had caused for me, you know, that no, I wasn't going to be able to have children because of these choices or decisions I made, but it began weighing on me. What, what did it do to my husband? You know, my, my husband didn't have a choice in it. He didn't even know me back when I made those choices, and now he was faced with not being able to have biological children, and also my, my parents, my brother and my sisters, you know, realizing and, and going before them to ask them forgiveness, you know, that he, going to my parents to say, you have three grandchildren that are missing, hmm. that you will never get to meet, you'll never get to hold, you'll, you'll not be able to be involved in their life. And, and even as I'm telling you this right now, it still weighs on me as I think of how old those children would be today. I'm missing grandchildren. Hmm. You know, we talked about grandchildren. I'm missing them, and I will be missing great-grandchildren. And so working through that process and going before the Lord to say, God, forgive me for what I've done, took me through a lot of um, depth with Him and trusting Him to know Him as a father who loves so deeply and forgives so immeasurably. And so it just um, gave me a heart for women who were going through this or had gone through this or would face this, the lies that the world is telling women and making them think that this is a, an easy decision. Oh, just do this and it's all over. It's just, it'll take a day out of your life and it's all over and you can move on. And that is not the case at all. And so the Lord began to open doors of opportunity for me to work with pregnancy centers, but also to just to go out and speak and share um, in different churches, in women's groups, in, in schools. Schools are one of my favorite places to go because it's proactive to tell kids do not make this choice because it will destroy you. It is, it is this final decision for a temporary situation that, that you don't want to make. You know, place that child up for adoption. That child has value, has worth. You know, we need to protect that innocent life. And women, you know, we need to protect women. This is not a solution. We have better solutions in society than to tell women your only solution is to kill your child. That's just abhorrent to me, just, just horrific. And so I began to go out and speak and also got very involved um, in post-abortion counseling. We do um, different Bible studies, Forgiven and Set Free, and Surrendering the Secret of Women for Women who have been through abortion to let that woman know that this isn't the unforgivable sin, that God loves them, that He cherishes them, that He wants to wash them in the Word, and, and wants to get them to such a place of healing that no longer do they act and react out of that hurt and that pain from their past, but that they can be life and light um, and reach the destiny God has for each one of us. You know, many times to us, it's like a bump in the road when we have sin or 
we have those trials and tribulations, but God wants to use absolutely every part of our life as opportunity to bring Him glory and to bring Him honor. And that's exactly, exactly how He started using me and still is today. Well, Luena, one of the things that you wrote in your book, and I'd love for you to share about it, is that you got to the point where you were able to celebrate your children. Tell me about the birthday party. So, um, I went to a Rachel Vineyard, it's called, it's a retreat, um, and it is for post-abortion women. It's another um, facet and a little bit more depth of a um, healing process. And I went to that weekend, and um, I had been through so much recovery and had gone so deep with the Lord on this that um, people were, um, we were asked to write a story or a song or write a poem or something for our child to memorialize that child. And so others have done that. But the Lord gave me the idea of um, the night before I ran out and got a birthday cake and got candles and hats. Um, And I believe that he had said to me, I want you to celebrate Um, You've missed a lot of birthdays. I want you to celebrate your children's birthdays. And so um, I was able to do that. I brought a cake. And so after others read their poems and sang their songs, um, I got out a birthday cake, and we celebrated um, birthdays for our our children. And it it was powerful. It was an amazing, it was an amazing time. Well, it is. And that's only the power of God, isn't it? So where... Out of the midst of shame or pain or uh, fear, that he can bring beauty out of ashes. He can restore your soul. And you're an example of that, where you're able to take those things that once were so burdensome to where you're able to recognize that the Lord has forgiven and have re- has redeemed you. And so out of that now, Luena, you've had the opportunity to speak in many different situations. We've got about two and a half minutes left. You had a chance to, to uh, speak to Congress, You had a, to, um, to a committee in Congress. Share briefly about that. Yeah, it was a very amazing, powerful time. There were four of us that were invited to come to Washington, D.C. and to testify before a judicial hearing to defund Planned Parenthood. There was um, an abortion, a prior abortion doctor, Dr. Leventino Soothayer, who worked in the Planned Parenthood, and myself, who all testified to defund Planned Parenthood. And it was an amazing experience. It truly was. Um, Planned Parenthood should not be funded by our federal government. And we we federally fund Planned Parenthood to the tune of $500 million a year. And that breaks down, Chuck, to about $1.3 million a day. Our tax dollars that are given to Planned Parenthood just to do what, what they do. And they are, no, they are not a nonprofit organization. You can pull up their, their reports yearly and see that they, they make millions of dollars. In fact, they just rolled out um, a campaign uh, just a couple, maybe a week ago, saying that they are going to fund um, uh, the Democrats on the presidential election to the tune of $46 million. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's just a small amount. So, yeah, I had the opportunity to testify before Congress to say, please do not keep funding Planned Parenthood with our tax dollars. It, 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 to me and to other women who have had abortions, it is almost like we are forced to pay the perpetrators that destroyed our lives. It is so wrong 
you know, we were lied to and deceived. And I know that I made that choice. I'm responsible for that choice. But we were lied to, and there is so much deception in our nation about abortion that I would just to speak to every woman and say, choose life. God loves you, and He loves your child, and He has a purpose and a plan for that life. And it may seem like crisis right now, but as soon as that child is born, you're going to fall in love with that amazing little person, and you're going to see who God intended it to be. And people will come around you. They will be there for you. It is not a crisis. It's a blessing. Well, we've been speaking with Luana Stoltenberg, and uh, if you want to, to reach out to her, if you'd like to look at her website, it's luanastoltenberg.com. It's L-U-A-N-A-S-T-O-L-T-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Luana, amazing story, and I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. God bless you, and God continue to bless you as you do your good work. Well, thank you, Chuck, and God bless you, too. Okay, thanks. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.